this is the price you pay for great returns over the long time over the long yep. time. Mm-hmm. You sound got the horn, it. sound the horn. This is the price you pay. You got to ride this stuff out. You got to block out the noise. People need, if you're listening to this, look at our Instagram. We post this. We've had to have posted this at least once a week. The last, like literally the start of the year about historical times of turbulence and volatility and returns after that. And it always works out every time for yeah. things a lot worse than what's going mm-hmm. on in the world right now. Yes. You know what I mean? But it's it's so hard to keep a long-term mindset when there's so many short-term headlines because you're prisoner of the moment. And imagine if you have a million bucks, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. so hard. Imagine losing that money in a couple of days. So it's easier said than done. Welcome back to the Max Your Dash podcast. Thank you for listening, liking, and sharing. My name is Steve. I'm joined by Nate as usual, and Mark is back. And that usually means we're talking about the stock market. Or <laughs> stuff. Steve, no. How, how much faster do you think you could say, welcome to the Max Your Dash podcast? Welcome back to the Max Your Dash podcast. <laughs> dude, I, I mean, I'm st- I practice it. In the beginning, dude, when we first started doing it, I was practicing it. You know I was. Yeah, you were. You were. Yeah. Um. But yes, we're talking about the stock market today. How how are things going? But let's do a max your dash moment for each of us to start out before we get into the fun stuff. What do you say? Sure. What's our timeline on that? Back timeline. to when? Timeline. When was our last episode? Just a say month. something recent. I yeah. beat COVID. I beat COVID. Wow. I beat COVID. And your son Flaps. beat COVID. Mm-hmm. And and my son. Everyone. The Temperados beat COVID. We beat COVID. Mm. Impressive. I didn't think right, right about the same time as the United States beat COVID and we dropped the mask mandates on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Now <coughs> that's your max your dash moment. Okay. I mean, I suppose, I, guess, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how long back we go. It was March 4th. My, my son was born. That's a bit, that's a max your dash moment. Yeah. yeah I don't think the people, I don't think here? the people have heard about that. Yeah. yeah interesting. Oh yeah. Mark. <laughs> Uh, Enzo is his name. He was he was born a little chunky. He's you know he's a good sized kid. Uh, <laughs> still lacking sleep. I'm tired, but he's good. He's good, man. That's awesome. That's a huge Max Your Dash moment. That's like a life. That's <laughs> like that's gonna be top three probably. Yeah, all right. Well, it, sh- it should be <laughs> all time. <laughs> all time. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see that. Yeah, we'll have to wait. Get, ask me that question next year if he falls in the top three or not. Perfect, <laughs> Nate. You're up. All right. So I think my last two have been related to Grayson. So I'm gonna switch it up this month. Not that he's not, you know, my most important thing in my life right now. But I'm gonna go with I played my first round of golf for the year. Uh, last, Ooh. last week, last week, two weeks ago, weather's finally turning. I so I actually did really well. Um, but I have a tendency to play really good in the beginning of the season and then fall off. So we'll see, but it felt good. That dog will hunt. <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys think yeah. Netflix is feeling today? Do you think they're maxing their dash? Oh, that's gotta be no. on the agenda. Yeah. Today. What's, what is, yeah, I was going to actually ask what, that in a second let me go though um yeah. i'm surprised you guys didn't say this but my max or dash moment was probably the dinner we went to guys that was Ooh, so fun that was <laughs> so wasn't bad. that a lot of fun 
That was. It was how awesome. Guy, how about the waiter just all of a sudden started doing an opera? Oh, shout out that guy. Wish we knew his name. Yeah, dude, our waiter Max's did. Max's Chop House. Yeah, Max's Chop House. It was really good. You guys, Have you guys been there before, or was that your first time? I've been there. Uh, we've been there a few times. You know, I, I'm known for taking down the dinner for two, the 44-ounce uh, <laughs> ribeye by myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was no that that was awesome, though. It, it's always fun when we all get together. But like specifically, I haven't left my house in forever, especially to see you guys. <laughs> Did you guys know that? So that was that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. A lot of laughs. Yep. So huge Max Your Dash moment. Great. It was a oh. we should also let our listeners know we we were celebrating as Dash Capital for having our uh, an incredible first quarter. So. Oh, yes, we were. were. We're green and growing at Dash. Yeah, Camp. we we work hard, play hard. That's just yes. everyone's motto. Yes. Um, yes. Cool. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it. I think that so today we did a um, episode earlier this year about just state of the markets, um, and we want to do this more frequently for our listeners so they can kind of get an insight of what financial advisors talk about when it as it relates to the market especially in a year like this where it's very choppy and volatile and things are going crazy and people are probably freaking out so um hopefully this makes you feel a little bit better or it'll make you feel a little bit worse who knows um <clears throat> but I, I again hopefully this can kind of become a regular re- regular thing um but i think that's a good place to start about the netflix stuff mark just as like a quick anecdote right what even yeah. is going on because i i don't even know i woke up to it so am i, I seeing that... this am i seeing this right that they're down 62 percent year to date right now 62 percent year to date they're down from their all-time high was uh or the 52 week high which is probably their all-time high was around 700 a share i think they closed at like 200 210 dollars <laughs> a share today 220 a share today Oh, Wait, I didn't. I didn't read it though. What's going on? Did they just raise their they, prices and they lost a bunch of subscribers? No, they're no. they're expecting to lose two million subscribers in the first fiscal quarter. Why? Two million. Well, I don't know. Probably just the competitors the and, and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. It, you know, for me, the only reason I've considered is because the office and uh, Parks and Rec's not on there anymore. But apparently, it's a lot worse than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I was literally, so I'm not a big TV watcher, as you guys know, but last night I sit down to watch something with Nicole and Grayson, and uh, I find, I'm just like, I don't know, I've, I've lately I've been having a hard time finding something that I want to watch on Netflix. I'm not saying that they their content's bad, but I wonder if that, like, it's got to be hard right now in, in that business model to compete with everybody, mm-hmm. right? Like Hulu and roku and yeah yeah roku makes their own stuff but apple and like yeah amazon getting into that like it's i think that's i think the writing's kind of on the wall that they may have uh maxed out their market so i i believe that i'm a perfect person customer excuse me or consumer of tv to answer this question so (laughs) i i have netflix apple tv hulu Showtime, HBO, Disney Plus, ESPN oh Plus. I and I'm probably missing a couple in here. You have it all. And Stars Lifetime. <laughs> until the last couple of months, which the last couple of months I would recommend all listeners to get on Netflix and watch the Formula One uh mm. show. It is really good, really addicting. Uh, I had not been using Netflix for a long time. And and I would say even if you take Formula One out. 
I would say that it's the the streaming service that I spend the least amount of time on and it's the most costly. Yeah. I think it's actually now either the same, maybe it's the same price as HBO. But I mean, I got to watch the Batman on, on HBO last night. Mm-hmm. That Netflix mm-hmm. isn't getting any deals like that. No. Um, yeah, market's just saturated, I think. Now when yeah, like, there's o- so Ozark comes out though, when yep. Ozark comes yeah. out, you're on Netflix immediately. Yeah. Yeah, but why not pay 15 bucks and just watch it in, in a weekend and just cancel it right afterwards? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so what do we what do we think about that though from an investing standpoint, right? So our clients are they're gonna hear that news tonight. Mm-hmm. What's the lesson to learn from that? Uh, well, I mean, when you're I think it's when you're investing in companies, you should probably be understand the competition that they face, right? That's that market is just super saturated and, and it's, I mean, we're getting pulled as a consumer in so many different directions. It's just inevitable that they're going to, they're going to lose subscribers when there's so many other options out there now. Mm-hmm. I think an interesting thing to point out too, is that there's going to be so many people who are going to look at this right now and they're going to say, oh my God, Netflix is at 226 They were at $700 a share not that long yeah. ago. I'm going to buy it right now because yeah. surely it's going to get back there. And that is just yeah. not how this works. What do you guys – I got that message today. I got that exact message today. What's going on with Netflix should we buy? And Which, by the way, like, by the way, I kind of like that message. Right? Because, like, yeah. generally that's a good mindset probably to be yeah. looking for, for – like being wanting to invest in, in down markets. We, we yeah. like that. Yeah. Yes. But continue with what you were gonna say, right? No, I just I mean I just think that like you said, generally that might not be a bad idea, but right now I wouldn't put a dollar in Netflix today. Yeah, you know, I, I I didn't put any money in Netflix today myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. it's it's well I mean that and like you hear the news with like Facebook going all in on the metaverse and like I will. I think I saw something like 180 billion dollars. They're they're putting at stake to for, into the metaverse. It's like, wow, man, they better be right or they're they're in trouble. Yeah, I f- stock picking in general just always is kind of obviously difficult. Um, but I can't even imagine trying to do it right now and not wanting to rip your hair out. You know, taking mm-hmm. a diversified and more of a holistic approach is obviously easier and it's less time consuming. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't necessarily know if that's a, a terrible idea. You should, I guess you shouldn't be making, essentially the answer is you shouldn't be buying Netflix because of that reason, right? It's at 200 and it was at 700. That shouldn't be the only reason you buy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because like they would, they would probably normal look like a, normally look like a really um, great company to, to invest in because of stable cash flows from subscribers. But um, obviously stable cash flows from subscribers only matters when you're when you're putting a service out there that people are you're still adding subscribers to i mean they were the first i think they were the first streaming service out there so they they got the majority of the market share right. now you got all these other people coming in it's just natural that they're going to lose market share i think yeah. they'll be fine i don't think they're going out of business right you know, it's just they're just coming yeah. back to earth yeah so that goes they, to saying if you like your holding period is long enough you could probably own them and you're you're fine yeah, yeah. you'll end up yeah, on but, top but you have to so they could like we they could totally pivot their business model right and I, I read something today about them wanting to increase like ad revenue and stuff like that which that's one of the things i love about netflix is there's like no ads and stuff in it um but you have to like i think a great 
great point is like, so Netflix was down, what did we say it was today alone? It was 35%. down like six, down 35% today alone. Yet the S&P 500 was literally flat for the day. So like, it's just like, like Netflix is in the S&P 500, right? Mm-hmm. So if you just own the index of the S&P 500, you're flat today. But if you own Netflix, you're down 35%. It's just a great example of diversification. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows what, what happens with Netflix? They could pivot their business yeah. model. It could be a great buying opportunity. But you can't, as an investor, just look at historical prices and say, oh, it was at that price before. It's right. going to get back there. <laughs> the story changes. You have to, You have to look at the stock today and say, okay, do I believe in, like, is this a company that I believe in for whatever holding period I'm looking at as for my investment, you know? Right. And, and if you feel confident and you do your research, then, then great, buy it for those yeah. right reasons. But you cannot sit, you can't sit here and say, oh, the reason I bought it is because it was at 700. Mm-hmm. That's not a good reason to buy it. Right. Stock. Yeah. Um, let, let's bring it back to the, like the market as a whole. So we published the our first commentary on the stock market in 2022 on January 26th. We are recording this episode on April 20th. Mark, do you know off the top of your head how, like, um, like I know that that first month, I don't know the numbers off my he- off the top of my head, but like from then, which is pretty much the start of February till now, um, how is it done? What are you talking about Netflix or the market? The market. Yeah. I want to talk more like what is the state of the market since we talked in January of 20 uh, in at the end of January? Yeah, I, I don't at the end of January. I can't really answer that question. I don't think. But I can tell you. Through, I can tell you. Hold, please. Hold, please. Yeah, at least, it's at least through the quarter, the market was the S&P finished down four point six percent. Which And what was its biggest low through the quarter? Oh, Do see. we know? So we, it, did it make it some headway date, back? What was the date of our podcast, Steve? 26th of January. All right. To, January 26th, the SP, SPY, which is the SP500 ETF, was at like $433 a share. It's at 444 now. So it's actually positive Interesting. from the time we did that. But it did dip all the way down in, in March to sub 420. So it's – yeah. yeah. It was down another after we recorded that podcast. It shot up and then it dropped pretty dramatically, and then yeah. it bounced back up from there. But it's actually positive from that recording of that podcast. And I think the yeah. Fed did their first interest rate hike after we did that, correct? It was in February, so. or March. It was after yeah. we recorded that, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about that, guys? Because it's interesting, right? About how um, they always talk about like um, the markets a dis a um discounts certain events like interest rate hikes and stuff like that and they're saying that i'm curious to what you guys think about that right do you think the market is already discounted in all the rate hikes and we already saw the low or <laughs> i go if you yeah. guys had this answer we would be <laughs> trillionaires <laughs> oh man no i don't think we've already saw the law low but the because the s and so the s p you asked the question like how bad it got i think it was it was down 13 percent at the lowest point and, it, and then you like said, it, Nate said it rallied back to down five percent on the quarter right okay. um, and i think it's fallen since then a little bit further like you know as of monday yeah the s p was down seven and a half percent on the year um so it, it fell a little bit further mm-hmm. so but we're still not back to we haven't touched the lows on the year and it you know who knows maybe it maybe that happens again hopefully it doesn't go too much further further than that but 
my opinion is that a lot of this has been priced in, but what, what I, what's still a question mark out there is does the fed raise rates faster and and more than the, the current schedule that they're supposed to be on, which is another, I know it's like another half a point in May yeah. and June, right? So it'll they're be supposed another... to do one at every Fed meeting. They said they're going to do one at every Fed meeting. Yeah. So and it was like, a, it was. I know that they're talking a half a percent the next two, and then going back down to a quarter. We'll see what happens. I think. I think that's all going to be a big determining factor on if we already have this all priced in or not. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Nate? Um, I think. I feel like if we didn't have this war going on. Um, and there was like a pretty, like, it, I feel like it would be a lot more clear of like how long it, it, this inflation thing will stick around for. I, I would be able to say like, I, I do feel good about it being close to the bottom, but because we got the war going on and no one knows when that'll end and inflation right now is, you know, it's here to stay at least for the foreseeable future, it seems like. And until there's clarity on that stuff, like it could definitely go lower. And and I've, I'm I think we're all cautious about the idea of maybe going into a recession at some point. And do, is the mark has the market priced in a recession? I feel like there's no way it, it has. But no. But the recession is not like a guarantee. So you know it's it's just it's this is why investing is hard right because even here we are i've been i've been in this business for almost 15 years and i can't give you a definitive any sort of statement of where this thing is going to go um because it's just no one has that magic that magic ball it's going to tell you the the future but it's it's a it's a time i'd say for investors to be cautious yeah i panic Um, not panic but just be just be cautious Yes. I, uh, Mark, what you're saying about them raising, um, raising the rates throughout the year, I was reading mm-hmm. this pretty cool blog earlier, um, at the end of the quarter. The Fed is so interesting because they've had, they had that dovish tone for so long, right? Mm-hmm. Before this year saying like, there's no inflation, essentially everything's fine. You know, that meme of like the house burning down and the guy's just sitting in there and he's like, Everything's fine. That was essentially what the Fed was doing. Like everything's fine. There's nothing wrong. And they came out and said, like, yeah, there's inflation. We're gonna raise interest rates. But they're still, they're, they're hawkish now. But they're still dovish because they, they. I was reading this. They are like, they are gonna raise interest rates, but they essentially say it won't have any negative impact on the economy. They're like very. They like walk on eggshells so much. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because the market moves so much on on anything right if elon says something on snl stuff goes crazy but i feel like it's crazy that they switch to a hawkish tone with like raising the interest rates and saying inflation is here but they still are dovish and saying like no the economy is fine which like Guys, fundamentally that doesn't even make sense all right hang on before mark responds to this i have a huge pet peeve of mine is when financial advisors talk about the fed being dovish or hawkish as if the average person knows what the hell you're talking about so yes. can somebody explain what does it mean when the Fed is dovish or hawkish? <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. Well, <laughs> See, you want me to <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was I was looking at something here. Um, so like they're they're talking about this like what what um what Steve's saying here with like the hawkish dovish. I mean, they've been dovish for so long, basically creating a soft environment or a, a, a an environment that. It's easy, like cheap to borrow money, and 
supports the growth in the economy and hawkish is is they're trying to slow things down or cool off the economy is like the, the simplest way that i would i look at it um Very good. in, in Very good. basically making it more i guess costly to for, for companies to borrow money which will then slow down investing and therefore slow down the economy right so i look I, that, at it as like the dovish they're very say. cautious and they're like kind of like laid back like oh it's okay and then hawkish they're like we got to raise these interest rates like we got to get it going and they switched it so fast is what i'm saying yeah 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 like hawkish put water on the fire dovish add gasoline to the fire yeah yeah <laughs> right okay all right nice nice yeah sorry yeah. about that Nate. That, that's a good point um but you know something it's it, it's interesting like they're, so I was on this quarterly market call um, a few weeks ago, and they're talking about unemployment. And unemployment levels at the time were 3.62%. And there's there's only been five months since 1969 that the unemployment rate has been lower than 3.62%. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting... So when you're talking about recession, economy, how are we doing? So the markets might not be doing so well, but if we have un- unemployment that low, that that's actually a really good metric in some capacity, right? It might not be good for the market. It might be potentially bad for GDP, I guess. Um, but at the same time, we're, we're near full employment if we're not already there. Right. Yet we yeah. have 11 million jobs open. Right. That is, they care so much about employment, which they should. Yeah. But I feel like if people are spending their money, it's got to be more important, right? If no one's spending the... The money, like that's why they raise interest rates so people stop spending and inflation goes down. But like, yeah. what they care so much about employment. But I feel like yeah. employment's fine now. The employment yeah. levels are fine. Well, and the crazy thing is, is like when you see when you see unemployment higher, a lot of times the markets actually do better, which is really yeah. weird. And it's probably due to to the Fed's policy on things. When unemployment's higher, they then they then create mm-hmm. that word dovish again which then pushes the markets higher. So you can't look at like employment as a, a measure of the the stock market, right? It's in the, and I think it's important for people to know that the economy is not the stock market. They're two different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So I have a question. Um, so if you're, if you're somebody listening to this podcast and you're wondering like, what should I do? Like, what should I do with my 401k? Should I, should I make changes? What should I do? What advice do we give that person that, cause you know, most 401ks, they got to do it themselves. They got to, you know, if they're not working with one of us, helping them pick their funds, they got to go in there and make changes themselves. Like what advice do you give to somebody right now in their 401k with where the markets are at? I mean, hard to give a blanket answer to that just be, like with the risk tolerance side of that question. But to me, when you look at when you look at like where, like what's gone on in the market year to date, and and not not one time in my ten years or eleven years, whatever it's been, t- ten years I think, um, I have never seen the bond aggregate index perform negatively worse than the markets are down, so or the stock market's down. So it's just crazy to see that the the bond ag is down more than the S and P 500, and I don't even know what to think about that. But if I'm an investor right now, I'm I'm I would rather take my risk in the stock market in stocks equities 
and I would be buying that up because there's obviously a lot more upside there. Even if bonds do start to perform positively, I don't see them outperforming stocks on the positive side from here forward for the, at least in the near term. I just don't see that being a thing. Right. Um, what about someone who's older though, and has to manage their risk a little bit more? I would hate to be an older investor that needs, <laughs> needs money right now. Cause uh, you're right. Like equities, like bonds are not going to outperform equities, but like you're still taking on more risk in, in not buying, you know what I mean? I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. That's why I, that's kind of what I'm saying is like, when, when, <laughs> I've never, I've never seen, fixed income or bonds do this before. I've never seen them down more than stocks are down. Mm-hmm. I've seen them have a lower performance from like on the positive side, right? All the time we see that, but I've never seen them actually lose more money than stocks have lost. And that's, that's just crazy to me. But if, so that's why you need to have a good income plan. How, how is your, how's it set up? You should have an area of your portfolio that isn't impacted at all by this or very minimally. Right. So there should be strategy in there that you have money on the sidelines that's not going down right now. But cash is a, is a not really that attractive of a place to be either when you've got inflation coming in at what was it, seven point nine percent headline inflation. Was, was that what eight, and a, half. eight, eight and, and a half? Nice. Eight and a half percent. That's pretty good. Nice. So that means that means nice. that your your cash lo- is, is losing eight and a half percent right now. The way that I see that. So yeah, explain that, explain that real quick to people out there. Yeah. Cause there's the, cause hang on. Cause there's going to be, cause how easy is it right now if, to, to freak out, right? Like you just said the words you've never seen bonds this low before you, you know, like, so if, if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be thinking like, Oh my God, should I be panicking a little bit here? Should I just put all my money in cash? What do you mean by you're, you're losing money in cash right now? It, it just means you're per the, the, what it's worth the purchasing power of that cash is losing money to the cost of goods going up. So your dollar is just not, if you're leaving it in cash, it's just sitting there not doing anything at all, but the cost of goods are up eight and a half percent. Your dollar isn't keeping up with the cost of goods. So you're, you're technically losing, you're losing purchasing power. You're, you're not seeing your, your cash position drop by eight and a half percent because inflation's at eight and a half percent. But that, if that dollar is growing by 0%, and the cost of goods are growing by eight and a half percent. Your purchasing power is down eight and a half percent. Right. You can buy less with one dollar than you could before. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So to be able to, I, we put an interesting post up the other day, basically, you know, to show what do you need to be getting in the bank to be. Oh, dude, up that was nuts. Yeah. Can goods. someone pull that up, Nate? Pull that up real quick, or someone. I don't have my phone. That that one is crazy. The amount that you need to beat inflation on a savings account right now, uh, for a hundred grand. It was yeah, like something crazy. Is it the? I don't know. That was. It was last uh, week. It was a tweet. Dash. Mm. See if I can find it. I got it. Oh no, never mind. Hold this. I'm, I'm close. Okay, so. <clears throat> to how much would you have to earn on a hundred thousand to beat current inflation levels? Six thousand four hundred sixteen dollars. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Just cr- crazy. You're, and how much? How much does it say that you earn on a savings account right now? <clears throat> to, uh, I think it's like seventy dollars. <laughs> yeah. So, in, and this is why when we talked last time on, on this this market commentary episode, this is one of the points I brought up was that this there is positives from raising rates. You know, there's there's negatives too, but one of the positives is 
that for these types of investors who are in retirement and stuff like that, that to have an option to actually make 6% or something without a lot of risk would be a really nice thing for them. You know, yeah. um, yeah. to have an option where people can put money in a safe asset, like a, a money market or savings account or three year CD and make money would be kind of nice. Yeah. Um, I think, but it, so, and that is going to happen, you know? So as rates are going up, there will be better returns in those conservative areas. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a positive. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely challenges with it too. That, uh, I just want Mark, I'm forcing Mark to answer that question because he really didn't the 401 quit the 401k question mark. So essentially Mm -hmm. what I would think is if anyone is, if anyone is 10 years or longer out for their time horizon in their 401k, the answer is they should do nothing. Right. Uh, and I if, would say if, keep and, your and, keep your profile aggressive and keep buying into this market. It's, it's now. An what if they're retiring? What if they're leaving their job in five years though, and they then say, I hope, "Should I do anything with my four hundred one k?" Then I well, I don't know. I would say I hope that you've already done something about this. When you, you say leaving, be, when you say leaving your job, do you mean retiring or like yeah, yeah, sorry, retiring. retiring. Yeah. No, yeah, retiring in five years. If you're if you're if you haven't done anything about it already, then you have to stay the course. You got to wait. Okay, that's what I think. It's not a it's not a fun or sexy answer. You have to stay the course. It's too late now. You don't want to sell and try to time when to get back in. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, that sucks, by the way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's be clear. But it's it definitely so that's an example, though, of a, a time that really warrants like and it, like really auditing your portfolio and taking a look at it and figuring out your game plan. Like you, you shouldn't just wait for the S and P 500 to get back to, which by the way, the SP, what, I don't know what it's down year to date right now. I know as of Monday, it was down like seven and a half percent, but it's kind of been a decent week, I think so far. So it's really not down that bad relative um, year to date, I guess. So if I was going to be retiring in five years, I think that's a, uh, this is a really important time for you to look at your portfolio. But I think, Steve, you're right. If you're not retiring anytime soon and you've already built a good asset allocation that matches your goal, this is this is like this is the price you pay for great returns over the long time, over the long time. You got the horn, sound the horn. This is the price you pay. You got to ride this stuff out. You got to block out the noise. And dude, I don't know how many people need. If you're listening to this, look at our Instagram. We post this. We've had to have posted this at least once a week the last, like, literally the start of the year about historical times of turbulence and volatility and returns after that. And it always works out every time for yeah. things a lot worse than what's going mm-hmm. on in the world right now. Yes. You know what I mean? But it's it's so hard to keep a long-term mindset when there's so many short-term headlines because you're a prisoner of the moment. And imagine if you have a million bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. so hard. Imagine losing that money in a couple of days. So it's easier said than done. But if if you look at the numbers, it has always been fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one feels the pain worse than we do. We're managing a very <laughs> large pile of money. Right. And when it when the market's down two percent in a day, it hurts. Um, yeah. But but the it's all about what's your holding period. You know, what what's yeah. your goal? How long are you investing for? And if it's five or more years out, what do you care of right now? <laughs> right. Stop. Yeah. Go do something fun. Go out. Go 
go do something outside. The weather's getting better. Stop looking at your portfolio right now. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, with asset allocation, because you brought that up, Nate, I want to get your guys' thoughts on growth and value right now. If either of you guys have some yeah, or both this is of a you good, guys. This is a good topic. And I, I think I have a good mark. You may have sent this before, but I've been using this. Um, it's a, I think, a good time to own growth and rent value, or it's probably always a good time. But why don't yeah, you talk a I, little bit about it? <laughs> I agree with that for, for sure. I, I'm still a believer in growth moving forward, but it is a, it's. Right hang on, now, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know what I got to do. You know what I got to do. Got we got to we got to talk in terms that people understand. What does growth and value mean for for the average person out there that has no clue what the hell you're talking about? Who are you, who are you asking that question to? Anyone who can answer it. Go ahead, Mark. Why don't you, why don't you answer it, Nate? Yeah, go ahead, Nate. No, no, Mark. I'm, you're you're answering this question. Go for it, bud. <laughs> So a, a value company, it's my, my simple definition of it is going to be a, a company that is, that has stable cash flows, stable expenses. They're, they're cheaper when, when, when compared to other areas in the market. So you could say they're yeah. maybe even undervalued and a growth stock is going to have a very high share price compared to its earnings. So price to earnings ratio. Yeah. And and that's why these interest rates are, you know, hikes are are pulling forward those numbers in a bad way, right? They're discounting their future earnings because interest rates are going up. Um, yes, I, I lost my train of Val, thought. Value Let's, value companies, I would say that essentially are worth their stock price now because of their stable earnings and cash flows, like you said, right? What's a, a good value company is like what, what example, you know Mark? is what you get, and then. Berkshire yeah. Hathaway, great, great yeah. example. What's a good example of a growth company? Tesla. Boom. All right. Continue to answer. Sorry. You should just <laughs> ask remember. that at the beginning. Yeah, that, that's is. an easier way to do it. Um, no, I, I agree with you completely, though, Steve. On it's a, it's a time to continue to own growth, but rent value, maybe overweight to value, because they're so. One of the things with inflation it, that's talking about costs. Value companies in general have more fixed costs than growth companies do. So if you have, if you're investing in companies with more fixed costs, that means inflation is not hurting them as bad. And that's why you're seeing value has outperformed growth this year pretty significantly. Yeah. Um, we could give you more like what pretty significantly means. Um, what is this? This is year to date. Yeah. What are the numbers on that? I have it in so, front of me if you want me to do it. Yeah, so lar large value is down 1.1% through uh, as of Monday. Large growth down 14.1%. What? I didn't even yeah. know that. Massive. That's, That's the numbers. Wait, as through when? This is on. This is the J.P. Morgan weekly market recap. Year to date. Year to date. Dude, that's yeah. crazy. I didn't even know that's the numbers. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been paying you well to be investing in value companies during this rising rate, yeah. high inflation period, because they have more stable cash flows, more fixed costs, and they are just not going to get hurt by this as much as a growth company that's that that is investing a ton of money into their future growth or banking on their future growth. Um, you know, and, and I think that we you know, we saw it today, I think uh, Tesla out, you know, did, did better than expected on their earnings side of things. So it's not like growth companies are just bad right now, but they are on yeah. 
they're, well, they're, it's, they're it's interesting, right, though, because if your risk tolerance is so high and you can stomach as much volatility as possible, you would think like ARC, for example, in 20 years will outperform any value fund, probably, right? Yeah. That, but yeah, you're just so, taking a crazy amount of risk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that idea of, of but you could also, I'm sorry. No, that's just that idea of, of renting value right now because it's mm-hmm. the time to be in value. But it, it's, I think a lot of it too has to do with your philosophy, but that's just, that's just mine is that I, I believe in owning growth for the long haul and, and putting value in there during times like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say, Nate? <clears throat> No, and and but the thing is too is you could you could be a great business like a with a wonderful product and a wonderful service and idea, but sometimes timing can just be bad for that type of a business where you know if if like the financial conditions for a company that has a great product and great service or whatever are just really bad, like meaning the you know because a lot of these growth companies are highly leveraged you know they've got to they got to have a lot of debt to grow and rates go from where they are today to double or triple where where they're at today you just cut profits like dramatically and those companies can can suffer majorly as a result of that and then you know maybe get purchased by a larger more stable company or whatever like Berkshire. so um you know it's just this is why it's not just it's not just as simple as saying like oh well Netflix's product is amazing so they're always just going to make me money. It's right. conditions change the story can change, um, and so paying attention to rates is really important not only for investing which is kind of the purpose of this podcast but also like just your personal finances. Yeah, you know what what's uh do you guys know what the like Mark I know you do some quarter you some calls and stuff like that Nate you pay you pay really good attention to this stuff. What's the general consensus in the money management investing world about growth right now? Because I've seen it pretty split, honestly. There's people saying that they're really beaten up, buy them now because this is as low as it's going to be. And then I've seen people saying they're going to go even low, low, lower. And again, we don't know the answer to this, but I, I think that it's it's always the headlines are saying like tech stocks, the NASDAQ and stuff like that. So people are thinking about it. And what do you guys like? What What's everyone thinking right now? Well, I mean, I think that like if there's a risk off environment, growth is this is the the place to be. Growth will outperform in a risk off environment. So like that kind of happened if you if you think back to not that long ago, 2020, when when COVID happened and the market tanked, growth yeah. significantly outperformed anything else in the marketplace by a, a long shot. I mean, it's even even since the the March 2020 low, things are they've gotten a lot more balanced, but Right. Growth still has outperformed value by 10% over since the March 2020 low, and so that was you know during a lot of that has come back down to earth. But it was there was like a one point like a 20 or 30% spread there, growth over value. But I think the general consensus is that own uh, own growth for the long term and and value is a is a good time to rent it. I think that's yeah. what, that's what I'm hearing in general. Okay. Um. But there's things that could make this work like, or worse. You know, the, the Fed could make a mistake. They could push things too far. Um, actually, full full employment or really low unemployment is actually bad for the stock market. It's It slows down things. Dude, um, I actually think I kind of want them to just raise the interest rates 
quickly. Rip the bandaid off. I think I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we joke about it, but it doesn't. It feel like like I'm kind of raising rates. <laughs> it, it, it just feels to me like they're raising rates. They have to do it. They have to. There's no question about that. Yeah. Because we have to be able to lower them when inevitably a recession comes and and don't think of recession like 2008. They don't always happen like that. Um, but inevitably that's coming and they're going to need to do something to be able to stimulate the economy. And, and that's one of the things they do. They lower rates, which helps growth companies. It, costs, it, it makes their cost of borrowing a lot lower. Yeah. That's right. the thing, though, that's like scary is so steve i get i get your point on that but then what what you might not be thinking about is all of the the businesses that are out there right now that are in like the small cap mid cap sector whatever yeah. that are, have huge debt loads that are variable rates and when the rates go from where they are to seven percent they have to lay off a ton of people yeah, and then no, that, unemployment gets yeah. worse and then the thing spirals out of control so like try that's the the fed's job's tough right to like thread the needle mm-hmm. on it, how fast they do it um they probably i, I mean i don't know what you guys opinion is but I think no that that's that, interesting i, I didn't the amount of money like the yeah. amount of money that was poured in to the covid situation was in hindsight probably probably not a great idea <laughs> but mm-hmm. um hindsight's 2020 so but yeah i mean it's 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 tough times but we have to at like I, I always just come back to what's your holding period. If you're holding period, if you're you're not, you don't need this money for a long time, then just go outside, go for a walk, go play around the golf, go fishing, go do something outside, stop yeah. looking at your portfolio. Now, if you are, you know, in a shorter window and you're pretty aggressive with your investments, that I would say that that this is a really good time to have a conversation about what are you invested in? Should you make some changes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and a lot of this, I do believe that a lot of this inflation, there, it's not transitory like they had been saying. They did stop using that, but there are parts of it that are like energy is a huge part of that that is going to be, in my opinion, transitory. Yeah, food, the cost of vehicles, those things are going to be transitory. But there's going to be, you know, like one of the things that I don't think is going away as part of this inflation is the wage side of things. They're not going to just. Oh, we're, you know, we're paying everyone. Right. Wages are definitely more sticky, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with supply chains? Like, what's the, what's the whole, is that still like, what's going on with that? I've been trying to do a little research on that. Um, Because you would think that that inflation would be transitory too. But they were saying like, the workers aren't there to unload the boats essentially is like, but like, what's going on? one One of the from what I've read, Mark, maybe you have more information on this, but like, I, so I think that's getting more normalized except for Russia and Ukraine. Um, obviously there's not much happening there and they're big exporters. And then the other issue is that in China, they've had this very strict COVID lockdown going on. So a lot, there's been a lot of challenges with production over there, but, um, yeah, I think it's, it's getting better, but it's still not, where we need it to be. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. correct. I think that's correct. <laughs> yeah. No, that it, it's get There's got to be some crazy lag with it, right? Of like when stuff like like if the conditions get better to like when that stuff actually gets better. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think some of the supply chain thing too that we it's hard to measure and maybe even impossible to measure is how much over ordering has happened. And therefore, there's this this like perceived shortage of things 
when people have just ordered so much more than they normally would. You speaking so from experience, gonna... Mark? <laughs> no. They're, they're, yeah, I've got 560 rolls of toilet paper at home. Um, <laughs> um, no, but th- that's that's a real thing. And I'm curious to know when this stuff just kind of breaks free and, they, and everything gets back operating smoothly, are there going to be massive inventories out there, which then potentially causes a period of deflation? We already know technology is deflationary, right. and that's that's another reason why I believe in investing in growth for the long haul. It, and, and that that's technology is not going anywhere, and, and that those two technology and growth are synonymous uh, when it comes to to investing or st- like understanding the market. But um, I, I just I really believe that that stuff is going to come to a point where it's like, holy crap, we bought all of this stuff at such a high price point. And these these things are going to fix themselves. And it's like now these companies are going to have to offload things and potentially lose money right. if the consumer figures out what's going on here. They, you know, the longer uh, at some point, the consumer just waits this out a little bit. It's not going to be good for the economy or the stock market could drive us into a recession. But you wait this out long enough, you're going to come out on the other side and things are going to be yeah. a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. One of the things that I had, I had a, sorry, Steve, one other thing that I've I've been like paying attention to that I think's interesting is the real estate market. And something I didn't, I didn't actually know until recently doing a lot of research on this is that real estate is the largest asset class in the world. And it represents like 57% or something like that of like global wealth and asset prices are at all times highs all-time highs right in real estate and what's going to happen to the demand and like market or asset prices in real estate as rates go up yeah, like do, we posted you guys buy a house about, right now oh my yeah. god good i w- i mean it's scary to even think about that steve yeah nate that's uh, that you really got me thinking about that when we put when you had the the when we did that post today about the mortgage rates that's crazy yeah, it's like, right it just seems like it's not sustainable like, but 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 here's the good news too. This is another thing I wanted to bring up. The good news in all of this stuff is, from research that I've done, and I don't have it to reference, but that like apparently, Americans have more money saved than ever before, and businesses are flush with cash. Banks are flush with cash. So I think that like we can weather this storm for a while. It's just like how long does this drag on is the issue. You know, inflation mm-hmm. and and higher rates like that that's that's the question mark here is like how long would if this last 12 months maybe we're fine but if yeah. it's 24 months 36 months at some point right. it's not sustainable yeah so i don't know and and we don't have that answer you yeah. know no one does which is like it's so crazy right yeah um were you gonna say something on the house piece mark no i, 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 I know just... you hate being a homeowner but let's not be biased here i, I do I do hate being a homeowner, but <laughs> and I'm already thinking about the next house, and it's just like you, you look at the numbers, and it's like, I mean, what the heck? You, you, we need something there, and I, in all honesty, I'm kind of worried about like foreclosures coming, which is not a good thing. Like, I don't want to see that happening, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, an uptick in that in the future, uh, not not too distant. Like, as soon as these, especially in a state like New York, where property taxes, as soon as these assessments come in at significantly higher price points 
and yeah. taxes go up by 30, 40, 50%. How are people going to afford these payments? Because wage growth is up for sure, but it's not up as much as the, like this, these, these dollar amounts are going to go up or these price points are going to go up on taxes and, and things like that. And then you, then you look at the, the cost of borrowing, like you're talking about in the post today, a oh, 30 year mortgage rate as Monday, 5.13%. I mean, that's crazy. It sounds insane. I literally, Nate, as I was posting that, I had a buddy of mine text me. He went in and canceled his application. Not because oh. of, of the post, <laughs> but because he's like, dude, these rates are crazy. I'm not doing that. It's like you're, it's, you're, you're two years too late, probably. <laughs> it's 2% higher than where it was one year ago and nearly 2% higher than where it was four months ago. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to borrow Mark, I remember I remember when we were at um when we were in Vegas for that conference I remember seeing a chart from like Fidelity that guy at Fidelity you love um <laughs> something about I think the average mortgage rate if you look at it historically is like six and a half percent or I think it was that it, it was either that or it was talking about the average um interest rate for federal debt but either way, it's kind of the same point is that we're still we're not even close to historical averages mm-hmm. and rates are going up. Like people need to remember that. And and so like this could go higher. This it's not it's not it's not unusual for your mortgage to be six percent or seven, six and a half percent. Oh, my God. Um, but it feels com- like very unusual because of the market we've been in since basically what, 2007, 2008, somewhere. In there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the big thing there though is there's gonna there's gonna be a point where you can't have five to six percent six and a half percent mortgage rates and homes be as right. high as they are exactly right that's and that's what I'm fascinated by is what happens to the asset prices in real estate as rates go up they're gonna they're gonna come down ooh is that a are, are you willing to are you willing to put money on this. Yeah, I, I think there, <laughs> I there was there was. Do you saying you should time. sell your house now? Is it is it time? Is it and time then to buy sell and rent? Sell and rent. Yes, sell and rent. That's our <laughs> new tagline. If someone was, was somewhere to rent, maybe. But that, this it's crazy. Oh yeah, that's literally, true. Yeah. There's there's Seriously, nowhere to there's no homes. Yeah, you no. can't rent, dude. <laughs> there's, there's no there's it's no crazy. apartments open and there's no homes available oh to buy. Oh, I dude, to... and by the way, though, the rent payments are insane. Well, yeah, that, Every... those costs are going to get passed to the, the renters, so it's probably a yeah. wash. Yeah. But yeah, I, that is I think, interesting, Nate. I think it's time rent. to sell my house <laughs> and move into rent. the office. Selling rent. <laughs> get out of there. Yeah. I wouldn't be, dude. Mark is the type of guy who would come into our Tuesday meeting and be like, "I just sold my house. I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> sold my house and bought another car." Oh, dude, I'm look, I what looked about out my... selling by an RV? That's not. Can you do that? Yeah. What, what is you, are used home, car prices like... still crazy? Insane. I guess they're, getting, they're getting better though. I think. They're getting yeah, they better. they better. They came down a little bit last month, I think, but. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's out of control, but it's, I, I looked out my back door, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, and I'm looking at my backyard, and it's like, I got I know I have to mow, and then I look at the temperature, and it was it was 40 degrees out. I'm, I'm not hopping on the rider and going out there in 40 degree weather. Come on. I, I mowed my lawn already. What are you doing? Yeah, I don't care. It, I don't care. I'll, I'll put I'll put weed grind it out. grass. Just grind it out. Dude, you are... Oh, oh, 
Steve, I think that I think that people would love like a if you if you were the person to like start a blog of like living out of an RV, like just <laughs> like I can working, down like by the you river. take take work. You guys are always trying to get me to do something like this. Mark wanted me to commute to work on a Segway when I didn't have a car. <laughs> There's an interstate highway that separates me from the office. Uh, oh, right. I can see Steve in a in a biker's helmet just cruising down the highway. All right, Segway. all right. This this podcast is over. I gotta go. Right. Is there? I am being serious though. I I think we touched on some good stuff. Is there? I, I did want to get into the yield curve, but we've talked for way too long, and that's like just a crazy rabbit hole, and we'd have to probably explain a lot of stuff. And I, I think we talked about some like just relevant topics at least for the next quarter until we do this one again. But was there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on? I know I know that you just brought that stuff oh. up with the real estate stuff, Nate, which was good, but. I, I wish that I knew that was going to be a question today. Nate, maybe you'll remember what Peru, uh, not Peru, Chamath was talking about on the yield curve where mm-hmm. basically yeah. the, the two-year, 10-year uh, yeah. yield curve is actually not a good, the best indicator of whether or not a recession's coming. It's more like the like the six-month and 18-month or something like that, and, it, and we're not even close to inverting on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, it, he, was it, saying, he was saying that if – like the yield curve, the two year and 10 year inverting has been a great predictor, but never has there been that pl- and a six month and 18 month, like being so um, not what's the, what's the opposite of inverted. <laughs> uh, Verted. <laughs> Verted. I can't so, believe that's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> So anyway, that 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 would suggest that we're nowhere near a recession, I guess. But yeah. um, anywho, yeah, we can cover that stuff more. But no, I don't have anything more to add, Steve. Okay. Yeah. And, we, and we, just I so think, the listeners wait. know, the yield curve inversion means that the two-year is higher than the ten-year, which means that people are going to flock to a two-year. You're not going to you're not going to buy a ten-year bond or your ten-year treasury. Should never happen. No, and they, I mean yeah. they're very close right now. Looking at them, the two-year treasury is at two forty-seven. 10 year at 283 and 30 years at 292. If I'm buying a treasury right now, there's no way I'm buying anything longer than a two year. There's no way. It it was inverted for like a day. Yeah, Yeah. that's what Peru was saying that as well is like it invert, it it has to invert for an extended period of time for it to even matter, right? Because like it was inverted for however long, like you just said. (laughs) Yeah, and there's, there's more, there's more stuff we could talk about within that, but. Yeah, um, I think I, we, we touch one, on that one, first. One last time. thing, one yeah. last thing that I do want to say to to end this podcast is we talked about growth and value and stuff like that. It is a great time to just be investing in, like just dollar cost averaging into growth right now is such an awesome opportunity. That's what I'm personally doing. That's what I'm encouraging our clients to do. Is this is an awesome time to be getting cash into the market? If you've got cash on the sidelines, which apparently a lot of America does. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Get in. Yeah, I, I agree. Dollar cost averaging is probably always the answer. But I wanna, your... I'll add to that, too. Don't let recency bias get in the way. You look at this stuff with perspective and see where, OK, the S&P 500 is down seven and a half percent year to date. Where is it? Look at look at where it's actually at. We're we're not even close to in a bad position. It's right. it's not even like remotely close to where things have been in the past. The S and P five hundred is extremely extremely high still. Hey, I just thought of something. 
Where are all those Robin Hooders from 2020? I'm Wall yeah, Street Bats. Where's all the Where's all the Davy Day traders out there? I haven't got, heard those guys in a while. It's It's yeah. a bad year to be a trader. <laughs> a very bad year. It can't be fun. <laughs> the S and P 500 is still twice as high as it was March uh, as of March 23rd, 2020. Twice as high. Two X. Yeah. It's up 102 percent since then. Yeah, dude. It, I mean, it's definitely absolutely insane. Absolutely <laughs> insane. Out. What's your holding period? Um, all right. Well, I think that that's a good place to stop. We we want to start doing this like so. We did the first one in January. This one's pretty much in May. I'd like to do them more frequently, but I mean, we we rescheduled this like four times. We were supposed to do this like three weeks ago, but I'd like to do this maybe like every. I I'd like to do this at least once a, once a month. Eventually, on top of like what we normally do, you know. Yeah. I think I think that'd you know. be great, and, so and everyone should keep yeah. in the back of their mind if if we really want to have an impact on growth stocks, then we need like three million people to quit their job, and then we're good to go. Great, <laughs> 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 so every perfect place to perfect place to stop. Okay, all right, guys. Anything here before we officially sign off? No, let's. That's a wrap. Good. All right, thank you guys for listening to the Max Your Dash podcast. We will catch everyone in the next one. Securities offered through Securities America Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Security America Advisors Inc. Dash Capital Advisors and Securities America are separate entities.